0: New era in independent art celebration.
1: Indecent exposure.
2: You were convicted of indecent exposure for the third time. That is, that's just exactly what it is, Fine Dexter.
0: It is four counts of indecent exposure. And I am going to expose you to something you've had coming for some time now. Something we've all had coming for some time now. On this the 13th episode of Indecent Exposure, recorded on this the 24th day of September 2015. I'm your host, Jason Velasquez, and I thank you for tuning in. Hey, big shout out to Carl Mullen for this episode. Wouldn't have been possible without his heads up. We'll get into that more in just a moment. But um, I had such a great conversation with Susie Ungerleiter who is O Susanna and I cannot believe that I had not run into O Susanna previously ever before in my travels searching for great roots music and this is certainly exactly that. It's it's got a backbone of alternative country and and that's okay because it's shh it's Canadian alternative country. That's right. She hails from Ontario, Canada. And hey, it's okay. Look, get over it. All right. She's Canadian. But not exactly. Actually, not exactly. She's got a local connect here that she'll get into during the interview, which is Strange and fascinating. In fact, why don't we just, uh, why don't I just, you know, shut up now and get straight to the interview with o Susanna here on Indecent Exposure. Susie, it is so great having you here on Indecent Exposure. How are you doing? I'm
1: doing super duper well.
0: Thanks, Jason. I, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show at such short notice. It was uh, I found out about you uh, through Carl Mullen, and he said you've got to listen to Susie. Uh, oh Susanna. and i said yeah 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 and then i did i said oh, shucks i got i've got to get in touch with her
1: <laughs> i like that shucks old fashioned swear word
0: <laughs> oh i am full of them well you know <laughs> thank
1: you though i'm really happy to be here and talking to you
0: that's well, my pleasure and and you'll hear a lot more of um of you know rated pg or even g uh, curses uh, I, <laughs> we try to keep daddy um you know, sort of you know, rated G in, in the home when the kids are. Around. I know
1: it's, it's hard. It's hard. Though. It
0: can be. Boy, I know yeah. that my kids have heard me let loose when I didn't realize they were listening. And, um, Oh yeah. It yes. hasn't gotten back to me yet, but I have a feeling it will one of these days soon.
1: Probably. Oh yeah. I had some road rage in the car and that was like, uh, you know, I said some things that I should not have said. And my son repeated it back. He's like, yeah. And he goes, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, nothing.
0: Ooh. Well. <laughs> now one of my one of my uh, tactics is to uh, take profanity and then <clears throat> sanitize it such as SOL means surely out of luck or sorely oh, yes. sorely out of luck. Of
1: course it does. Of course it does.
0: And yeah. uh and when something is going completely wrong it's a cluster bumble. <laughs>
2: Very so good.
0: spread those, spread those around. I want to, I want to hear those the next time I go like out West or to Canada. I want to know that that phrase has made it all the way across the, the, con- I know. the continent. cluster bumble, um, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about language. Well, actually we kind of are because um, this new album of yours um, is absolutely stellar. And part of it, part of what makes um, name droppers so good is your, selection of of tunes well actually not your selection but the the tunes that have been contributed to this album that have such fantastic lyrics i think that's the probably hey. the strongest part of this uh this release is that these are stories that are told masterfully
1: thank you well i can't take credit
0: though. well i know it's but it's
1: shame
0: i know i know <laughs> but you well let's let's go back here because <clears throat> yeah because i want to i want to give you time to to explain how this came to be, these uh, okay. this is not your standard cover album.
1: No, it's it was a project that started out as maybe going to be a cover record. I was I was thinking about my influences and about who I listened to, and when I first started playing music, I was really listening to a lot of you know dead people or people that I didn't know, and you know from faraway land or very famous or whatever, or even not uh, totally anonymous, like field recordings. And then I realized slowly as time went on, as I started to make music, I was listening to my friends or people that I had met in the music world, you know, in, in the Canadian music world. And so I started to think, well, I'd love to do like a record of songs by people I know, and um it was sort of the thing in the back of my mind for about i don't know seven years or something and then finally i thought well, i need to figure out a co-conspirator because i need someone else to kind of make push me to do something crazy and weird and maybe out of my comfort zone so i phoned my friend jim bryson who lives in ottawa and he plays with Kathleen Edwards, he's a songwriter in his own right and um and I said, Do you wanna do this? And he's like, Yeah, let's let's make people write songs for the record. So I was like, Yeah, fantastic and then I asked I said, You gotta ask them. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so um uh, we had lots of people we, you know, basically I just had to know them. Some were friends, some are more acquaintances, and then they we had a lot of really great people contribute to the record, some well-known, some not well-known, but that's okay. That was the whole idea, was to, to sing the praises, uh, literally sing, sing these people's words and landscapes, and so I could go traveling.
0: So they gave these to you in, in sort of a raw form, though, as I understand it, and you sort of breathed life into them. What was that like to to take the essence of somebody else's poetry, their, their experiences, and try to, try to fit yourself into it.
1: It was really exciting and challenging because I'm a singer songwriter and I usually am in my own world, you know, my own kind of imagination. And when I'm doing my own songs, I kind of have a very clear idea. Okay. This is what the characters are. This is the mood I want to set. And, um this is my kind of go to place. And then with these it was really liberating because I didn't write the script. These other people did and I could do what I love to do, which is interpret and kind of play a character because a lot of my songs I do write from the a point of view of a character. They're not necessarily autobiographical or if they are somewhat I you know, fictionalize a lot of it. And then so I I love to kind of play a part in the song or give life to a kind of point of view or uh, an emotion. So it, I felt really like an actor where these people had given me their script and I got to interpret their world and feel these feelings. It was actually kind of a physical reaction I would get by singing these songs. I really felt different singing these songs than I do singing my own songs and that was a really wonderful, beautiful thing because sometimes when you make music you kind of get on your own gerbil wheel, you know, doing the same things or the same themes. And this was like a a cool journey into these other spaces and emotions and characters. And it was challenging because I was like, Am I doing it justice? Am I doing it justice? And am I gonna sing it more in, making people kind of lose themselves in the song, which is what you want. So it was, it was really fun, really fun. And, and also I loved having a challenge. So that was, that was great too.
0: Now, were any of these artists, uh, well, what was the response of these artists when they heard what you created?
1: Well, they, of course they're Canadian. So, They were very polite. (laughs) No, no.
2: No, no.
1: (laughs) I should say they were Canadians. Well, of course they were polite. I mean, some people really loved it, and some of it was neat because they had not, you know, these songs are ones that they hadn't actually really recorded. They did, like, a demo or, you know, they they gave me a really raw form of their songs, like, um, you know, Ron Sexsmith was probably the most well-known person on the writer on the record and he sent me something in a matter of two days I had asked him do you want to do this and he's like yes and then he sent me something two days later and and it was very cute because at the beginning he's like so here you go Susie in the voice here you go Susie and then you hear his beautiful song and then he's like I don't know should I have a bridge or not you know so I kind of got, I was like, sure, right, Bridge. So, you know, it was one of these things where it was very, it felt after a while that, you know, I knew, I was very well aware who wrote the songs, but I also felt as if I could kind of, uh, embody them or that they could think about me as the singer and, um, that it was sort of this interesting collaboration, um, so i think that i think that was interesting to other people too and maybe not necessarily the writers but people that are long-time listeners to my music they were they're like "I, oh, it's very interesting to hear you and it was very much you but it was also the voice you could really tell certain styles or ideas from the writer so it was a nice kind of guessing game they put it on and they try to figure out who wrote the song
0: Wh- which of the ron sexsmith songs are, 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 are you really talking about there, especially oh,
1: the one, um, wait until the sun comes up because the other ones a sort of a cheater one because he said, here's another one that never got to see the light of day that I wrote previously. And maybe you want to sing it. And I loved that one. It's called, I love the way she dresses. And he, he mm. wrote it with Angelina Presley, who's, um, Nashville writer. I think she's, um, you know, more in the country realm, but, um, it's just a beautiful song and, and so, but wait until the sun comes up was kind of this awesome thing too it was like a perfect cocktail of melancholy and hope
0: well I guess we're going to play that one aren't we now since we talked about it
2: okay
1: <laughs>
2: though your eyes are clouding over and the tears are falling from the sky though you have been waiting Though you can't get any closer And the years keep telling you goodbye You think perhaps you've stayed too long Well, just give it one more try Wait until the sun comes up To remind us all to rise above Waiting till the Just wait until the birds do their opening number. Wait until your minds had a good night's slumber. Suddenly your heart will be unencumbered by the chains of yesterday. One more try Wait until the song comes up To remind us all To rise above Wait until the song comes up To remind us all That we are loved Wait until the song comes up To remind us all That we are loved that
0: we are Now let's uh let's go back a little bit um, Okay, you've been you've been at the game a little while now, right? Uh, Since about well, since before it was alt country, since before there was like a yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's very interesting because when I first started, i i was I was listening to Hank Williams and field recordings, and and I was I was living in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I felt like, oh, what am I doing? I'm writing all this. I want to write these songs that are you know, and who's doing this music anymore? And, and I didn't feel like I had much of a community that was alive. And then all of a sudden it just became this, you know, Gillian Welch came out and Wilco was doing their thing. And um, a lot of other people were kind of mining the same territory, which was really exciting and really lovely. Of course, you know, I'm still just toiling away in my independent way, but it still is is kind of neat to see the evolution of that music.
0: Well, I know a lot of folks um, don't get to to hear a lot of Canadian music, and mm-hmm. and many people may be surprised um, that there is a vibrant sort of roots scene going on up there. um what's, what is describe the the, the scene in Toronto or, or other places.
1: Well, what's really cool about it is that it's rootsy, but it it doesn't really follow a pattern really. Like I find that when I go to England, a lot of people will put things under the umbrella of Americana or even if it's Canadian of course, it's North Americana, let's hmm. say. And the Canadian stuff, it does borrow from, you know, blues and country and and that old rock and roll and punk rock or whatever and acoustic kind of vibe, singer-songwriter stuff. But there's something interesting because it's very eclectic and um, it's, it's less true to any genre. And that, to me, is exciting because it, it's very unique to the person that's creating it
0: so there's a lot of cross pollination going on between genres yeah. and between people do do you you said that you uh, you realized that you were listening more and more to your peers um do you find that still true
1: yes i do i just i mean i was joking around because i went to the public library and borrowed some <laughs> cd's And I was joking that that's my old-fashioned way of ripping people off or whatever. Is Instead of downloading, I go to the library and pick out CDs. But pretty much four of the six records are all um, Canadian and people that I've met or that seem really close by in there, you know, that I would probably see at a festival. So it does feel like I'm interested in what you know, other people in my, kind of at the
0: office are doing. I like that analogy. Now (laughs) I should point out to, I should point out to listeners that um, Susie, you know, there's a reason that she's on this show other than, other than the fact that uh, she's going to be at the barn this weekend. And if you haven't already decided that, um, that you're, you're on your way there, all hope is lost for you. Um, But really (laughs) she, there's another connection Susie is actually originally from Western Mass.
1: I am. She
0: was I born was... in a Greyhound station. No, that's not true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were hobos passing through with our little sandwiches and our kerchiefs
0: mm-hmm. on a stick. Yep, playing harmonica and... at every bus station yeah. all along the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, what, 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 you're really from, your, your father was studying in, in UMass, right?
1: Yeah, he was. So I was actually born in Northampton and, and I know it's a big music place and I've actually been to the Iron Horse way a long time ago, but, um, it's kind of this mythical land in my head because I was whisked away as a baby. We went off to Western Canada and don't really get to go back there. So it's kind of cool that I get to visit my, where I left when I was eight months old.
0: What was he studying?
1: He's a sociologist. He's doing he was doing education and he still is very active and doing tons of research and um yeah, he's 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 very much into how do we teach our kids.
0: Hmm. Interesting stuff. And uh-huh. and, and you know what we haven't figured it out yet, so I guess he's he's still got plenty of opportunity in front of him. Um now you've also got one other connection even closer to home. Um you have um you have worked with Bob Egan of Wilco.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh yeah, Bob, I did a show in 1997. Jeez, I was a child star at the time and uh <laughs> and I was I did a show with Wilco at The Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto, and I don't even think I was living here yet. And Bob looked like a scary biker guy, and he came up to me and talked to me and said, "You guys, you said you remind me of my friends that have this band called Freakwater, and which are from Chicago. These two girls, and so we started up a correspondence, and it was really before early days of email. So we sent postcards to one another, and then eventually he um he got a job sort of sort of through me I guess at with Blue Rodeo, which is a great Canadian band. And so now he lives up here in Canada and and uh, you know, I was somehow his headhunter, unbeknownst to, <laughs> to all of us. But <laughs> sort of
0: the advanced team.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty great though. He's a dear friend and it's because he just came up and talked to me and, and was friendly and, um, yeah, we ended up, he worked with me on a, an early record of mine called Johnstown and, um, he slept on my couch and he was sort of willing. And so th- then he got to meet all, all the dudes of Toronto and, and eventually joined this band.
0: Very so, cool. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. Have you 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 have you haven't played the uh the um the Solid Sound Festival, have you? Here in in North No. Adams?
1: No, I have not.
0: Well, let's hope that enough people hear you and demand your inclusion. Yes.
1: That would be lovely.
0: Uh, that and and I think it'd be we just had also at the same location at uh, at Mass MoCA, um which is the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art um in north adams we just had the fresh grass festival which is a, a bluegrass primarily festival but who knows maybe you could bring a banjo with you and can fit in yeah there. sure um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway no the um the uh the it, it's a funny thing that the connect the connections that um are formed and revealed by just talking to people for a little while. It's just fascinating, um, you know. For example, we were talking in the green room, the virtual green green room, and uh, you were mm-hmm. talking about how um, you and Carl Mullen go way back, and and that that surprised
1: me. I know he was. He gave me some of my very first gigs. He was living in Pittsburgh, and a friend of mine who. Um, well, I met through kind of crazy ways. It was too long of a story, but she uh, is originally from Montana, but she lived in New York City, and she worked at a record label, and she saw me play one of my first gigs, and she, I believe, told Carl about me, and I don't even know how she knows Carl, but um, so he hosted a bunch of my early shows, and I went to Pittsburgh a bunch of times and have some really great old Photos that I took on real film and um he was he's a visual artist as well as if you know carl you will you will notice that at the time he was drink he was drinking tea, but he was also painting with tea because he's Irish and he was saying he was wanting to get in touch with his Irish roots by painting with this Barry's tea and um so he was just he's just a unique and interesting. Very smart, very soulful person. So
0: well, it's also it's um, also it's also only eight. I think it's eight forty nine uh, for a hundred tea bags. I just saw that that brand in the store yesterday. So that's that's a good one to buy if you're painting. Yes, it's it's a fairly oh, inexpensive. Yes, yeah. that's
1: cheap. Oh yeah, it's, it's what they would call builders' tea over there. They would say <laughs> like a construction workers' tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. I don't ever think of construction workers over here drinking tea, but that's just far too, you know. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, you know, yeah, milk toast. well, I've actually, but over there in Ireland or in England, you would be like, yes, you're drinking some strong builder's tea. Right,
0: right. So, um, so that's that's a great connection, and you are. It must be a really powerful connection because you are driving. Is this correct? You're driving yes. for one show here <laughs> in Williamstown.
2: I
1: am. It's crazy. I'm gonna drive. I think it's about seven hours or something. Okay. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, uh, go there, play the show, and then come home again. But I think it will be really nice, and it's a way to visit Carl and see a new part of the world.
0: Now, have you been here before?
1: Not really, no.
0: Oh, no, no. kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Well, there's uh, there's all kinds of great stuff to do here. And um, and I, I know that Carl will, will turn you on to as much of it as you have time for. Um, yeah. You, you've got, uh, you're in for a treat if you have even an extra day to spend.
1: Yeah, well, like, maybe if he lets me stay another day, <laughs> I'll have to organize it with him. Well, I might be able to do that. Well, there <laughs> is there
0: is the barn. You can sleep in the barn. I'm sure you wouldn't be the first. Okay. That's great. <laughs> so, um, so you've got uh gosh, you've got so much going on here. Um, you've got this new album out and and it was not without certain starts and stops. It was begun in what, 2012 or something like that or mm-hmm. it was a while yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. We and... did this
1: whole Kickstarter campaign for it and we made the record and Yeah,
0: how was was that Kickstarter campaign for you? Did that? Oh, it
1: was fantastic! It was really cool. I, um, I have a friend named Rose Cousins who actually does a lot of stuff in Massachusetts um, because she's from the east coast of Canada, and she's got a manager that lives near Boston, and she was the first person I'd ever seen who did this Kickstarter thing, and when I was You know, early on, I actually did kind of a crowdfunding thing, but with, you know, mailing out postcards and things like this. So it was like, oh my God, this is like an online, you know, 21st century version of what I was doing early, early, early on. And then, so I just loved the idea of getting people excited about the record and being involved in it. And it was, it was quite fun. And we made a bunch of silly videos
2: and...
0: Yeah. Well, I've wondered because I know I know a number of people have have managed to to get albums out that way and it seems that in addition to the money it's the exposure and and the and and, and kind of just making the connections with with a, a wider bunch of people uh, that exactly. seems to be almost maybe even maybe more valuable than the cash itself.
1: Yes. Yes, I agree because all these people were aware that the record is going to come out. So hmm. yeah.
0: I've been trying but to think. Was... I've been trying to think of whether I can crowdsource this uh, online zine of mine. I don't know. I don't know if it's <laughs> quite the right platform, but um, <laughs> you never know. So, you um, you had a you had some bad news though in in the middle of yeah. this. In the, actually, near the end, um, you were diagnosed with breast cancer in two thousand twelve. Two thousand thirteen. Actually, it
1: took us about. It, so we mixed the record and mastered it and it was just about finished. And then, you know, we were putting finishing touches on it. So we, so 2012, we did sort of the raw tracks and then over the year, we kind of worked on other things and, and then finally got it done. And then I, I got this diagnosis, which was of course kind of, a, just put it lightly, very much of a drag <laughs> <laughs> and scary and things like that. But, um, and that was, you know, the Kickstarter campaign kind of transformed itself from being something that was you know, kind of a marketing tool or a fundraising tool or a way to connect with people. It transformed into this emotional support, actually, for what I was going through. Because um I probably wouldn't have done this, but I had to tell all the people and go really public with why I wasn't going to put the record out, which was you know, supposed to be done and out and in their hands in a couple of months. And then I was like, I just can't do it right now because I'm going to go through all this treatment. And it was kind of hard for me because I was like, oh my God, I have to tell everybody. And it was, I think that's one of the most difficult things is telling people about bad news about yourself. And so, but it was really actually quite beautiful because all these people we were like, go Suzy, or we're standing behind you. Or we had all these stories of other people who had gone through the same thing and had really good outcomes. So it was, it was quite moving and um, yeah, it just became this whole other aspect of, you know, at first you're seeing the whole thing is just about economics or marketing or something or, And then it becomes this emotional support, too. So it was really, really wonderful.
0: That sounds like it really sort of humanized the process.
1: It totally, totally. That's exactly the right word for it.
0: Tell me something about the the junction of what you went through. Was your music part of what kept you sane and what kept you going?
1: Yeah, I think so, because... I got to listen to, I guess we hadn't finished mastering it. And so I got to listen to all the versions and how to order the record. And, and it was also the thing to look forward to that I was like, I'm just going to, I'm in the middle of this project. I'm going to put it out. And that was my kind of reward is to think I'm going to get through this thing and then put out this music. And it was great because I got to you know I would ride the subway. It sounds really weird. I'd ride the subway down to the hospital and uh listen to the music on the way on the on the train and it was just a really great escape and but also a reminder like this is what I have to do when I'm done when I'm finished all this stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna work on this. And then it was also great because I think the writers for the project also, you know, would check in on me and be like, how are you doing? What's going on? And, you know, Jim Brighton, my dear friend and producer, you know, came with me to chemo. And of course my husband who played the drums with me, he was there and, you know, it was just a, it was just a lovely, way to feel like
0: I wasn't alone it sounds like it it sounds like uh, you had a support group that was um, that was connected to you to a in a in a way that's if music is spiritual then in a in a very deep and spiritual way um what uh I'm gonna ask you were there any foods that just you could not even smell
1: (laughs) (laughs) um I didn't, it wasn't so much nausea. What I couldn't deal with is that with certain drugs, they kind of give you a cocktail of drugs and it changed. It changed. Like the first three were a certain cocktail. Last three were another cocktail. And the last three, what drove me bananas was that every time I was going to eat something, it tasted like I was eating paper mache (laughs) <laughs> and
2: <laughs>
1: that's the thing that drove me nuts. It was like having a mouthful of sand or something. And I'd eat like a hamburger and it would be like, ah, sand, paper, cardboard. And I mean, it seems like a small thing in the scheme of things. But it was It was also, I think for me, I would focus on something, some small detail like that. And I think I was channeling all my anxiety through that small detail. If that makes any sense. Well,
0: you're not alone in that, in that, that basic, uh, you know, description of, of what it does to your taste buds. Um, <clears throat> the idea that, that you had this insult being added to injury, it's, it's just not fair. Um, but you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> what are you going to do? So, um, So you're in recovery and you are just about ready to start recording some, uh, maybe an album of of your own music now.
1: Yeah. I'm working on some new songs and um, I'm going to do some demos later in October. And um, yeah, I'm excited about that because I feel like this record, the name dropper record has really influenced me to, to write a certain kind of song and kind of, try different things musically so it's it's going to be kind of a an echo or a response to that
0: Hmm. that's another good way of of, of, it's another good analogy um i guess you can't really you can't really take in any of of this without it changing you a little bit huh i mean if you're performing it it's you've taken it into yourself and it's it's now part yeah
1: exactly i mean that was what was so neat with that after a while, we kind of lost track of, you know, where did the, where did the creation begin and end? You know, we knew it was the words and melody of the writer, but then by playing it and kind of fleshing it out and singing it so many times, it starts to feel like it's, yeah, it's in your body. And, um, you know, and I kind of, felt like it was sort of old school because of people like Sinatra getting their, getting his friends to write songs for him. And I was like, this is, you know, was this what it was like to be able to perform these great melodies and lyrics? You know, I just felt really lucky.
0: Yeah. Well, I can tell you, we are very lucky to have you coming down here. Uh, I feel like it's, 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 we're very privileged and, and we feel we should feel very, um, honored. Uh, and we do want you to drive really, really safely. Um, it's a long trip. Thank you. Um, yes. what are you going to be listening to on the way down?
1: Oh, I'm, I've got some homework to do because I'm going to be singing backup vocals on my friend, Linda McRae's, uh, CD release concert when she comes here. And but I also got all these records out of the library. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. And um, one is called Winter Sleep, a band called Winter Sleep. Another is a singer songwriter, Hannah Georges, Zeus. The Arkells are a really great band. Kind of, um, I wouldn't want to say pop rock, but they're they're kind of you know rock, modern rock band. NQR Buckle is a friend of mine who's a singer-songwriter. He likes to talk about cigarettes and bike rides and drinking too much and so I kind of got this whole and I got Peggy Lee also. Awesome. <laughs> Peggy Lee. So, I'm going to be I gonna be busy. Yeah.
0: Huh, it's so gonna be nice. It, and so it's 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 probably uh one of the few times you'll get to just absolutely immerse yourself, huh, in in all of this. Uh, for yeah, seven, I, think
1: it, I think I think that. Yeah, driving is a great. I mean, I sometimes I don't want to drive, but sometimes driving is a really great way to connect with music in a way that I don't necessarily do at home. Mm.
0: Well, in order for people to connect with your music, uh, where should they go?
1: They can go to osusanna.com, dot com, and they can look at pictures and see tour dates and sign up for mailing lists and buy records and listen and lyrics and blah, 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 blah. It's all on osuzanna.com or they can just go to iTunes. It's there too.
0: Awesome. Well, I will include those links in the show notes and, um, and we will be really excited, uh, super excited uh, between now and Saturday. You're going to be playing, um Saturday. Do you know what time you're playing? I guess whenever you get into town. No. Um Yeah. <laughs> no. It's usually right. I think
1: Kyle's going to do a set of his own music and then I'm going to do one after him. So, I okay. think the show itself might start at 8 or so.
0: Okay. Well, it's a great place yeah. and um and i I think you'll you'll really enjoy it here and and you'll want to come back and and we'll want you to come back. um Susie, I thank you so much for being on indecent exposure here at the Greylock Glass. Thank you, and we will talk to you soon.
1: Thank you so much. It was my pleasure.
0: What did I tell you? Is Susie not one of the most charming guests? I've had on Indecent Exposure. Oh, I've had some great musicians. Don't get me wrong. But uh, in terms of just sheer charmingness, uh, I think Susie's right up there. And the song that we heard in the middle of that interview uh, was written by Ron Sexsmith. And the name of that was Wait Until the Sun Comes Up. And that is a a sweetly melancholy tune, eh? Well, we're going to play another tune right now from that that release. Um, it was written by Jay Harris, and it's called nineteen fifty-five off the album Name Dropper by O. Susanna.
2: You got your ways. You got your own special way. Not much to say Beautiful in your beautiful ways When you lie You got your say Cuz my vote so heavily sway You got to lay traffic made you wait while I piled.
0: 1955 by Jay Harris, recorded by O. Susanna, and that's on her most recent release, Name Dropper. And you can get a copy of that um, directly from her website. And there's a link if you click on the, well, if you click on the album artwork, uh, that'll take you right there. So that is that is a, definitely worth picking up. Now, you can see her live Saturday night at The Barn Since we had that conversation, I have done some um, research, and I'm able to provide you with factual information rather than conjecture, which is my usual stock in trade. Um, It is Saturday, September 26th. Doors open at 6 p.m., music at 7. It runs until 10-ish, 10.30-ish. Who knows? Uh, The barn is at 1401 Green River Road, Williamstown, Massachusetts. It's $10 at the door, and 100% of the the take goes to the artist. It's BYOB, and it seems like you couldn't ask for a better Saturday night. Um, That's our show for today, for this week. I am your host, Jason Velasquez, known in an alternate universe as The Mongrel, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Take care. Bye.